Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast, where we tell the true stories of the vaccine injured that many don't want to hear. These are real people sharing real experiences, uncensored and unsanitized. Listen and learn with us as we tell the stories that have yet to be heard by those who've been discarded. No preaching, no propaganda, and no judgments, just the truth. Hello and welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Jared St. Clair. And it's been too long uh, into the history of this podcast uh, that uh, it's kind of crazy. We're 30-something episodes in and I haven't had the founders of React 19 on the show just yet. And I can tell you why. Uh, for one thing, they're, neither one of them is uh, out for a whole lot of notoriety or glory in all of this. Uh, that's not what React 19 is all about. And uh, they also stay really, really busy, uh, not only taking care of themselves with the injuries that they've sustained, but uh, perhaps more importantly, and I know uh, they spend a lot more time on the other injured who they have um, adopted into the React 19 family and their efforts for the COVID-19 vaccine injured are unparalleled uh, in this world. Uh, I am very, very fortunate to call each of them my friends, and I'd like to welcome to the Dearly Discarded podcast, Joel. Joel, um, <laughs> it's funny how I met you. Well, maybe we'll talk about that for just a minute. But anyway, sorry, uh, Joel Walskog and Bree Dressen. It's actually kind of funny how I met her, too. But welcome to the Dearly Discarded podcast. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thanks for sorry. Having I was going to tell a little thing, but then I thought, ah, it'll take me too far down. So I had to, I had to uh, react to my own uh, initial idea. And let's get uh, back down to business here. But let me introduce these folks to you. If you're not familiar with who they are, I would anticipate if you're listening to this show and are dealing with an injury, you certainly do know who these people are. But if not, you may not be aware of them. So let me introduce them to you. Joel Walskog is an orthopedic surgeon from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He enjoyed a very business busy practice specializing in joint replacement surgery. He has extremely well, I can't read, was extremely healthy and active. He received his one and only Moderna shot on December 30th, 2020. Within one week of his Moderna shot, he began having problems with paresthesis in his legs, leg weakness, and poor balance. He was quickly diagnosed with transverse myelitis. MRI of his, of his thoracic spine revealed a demyelinated lesion at T8 and T9. Despite exhaustive evaluation and treatment, his symptoms never improved. In fact, he would later be diagnosed with dysautonomia. He was forced to retire from his medical practice at the age of 50 because of his disabilities. Joel, uh, rather than um, sitting back and uh, feeling, I guess, the self-pity that would be such a um, obvious thing that can come with this type of injury, uh, decided to do something about it. And he and Bree Dressen uh, co-chair React 19, which is a science-based, grassroots, non-political, non-profit uh, advocacy organization for those Americans injured by the COVID-19 shots. This organization now represents over 30,000 Americans seriously injured by the COVID-19 shots. And I want to let them explain more about what this organization is but let me go ahead and introduce my friend, Bree Dressen. Now, Bree lives here in Utah where I do, so I've gotten to spend a whole lot more time with her. Joel and I have had dinner a couple times. We've done an interview or two, uh, but uh, Bree and I have become, well, I consider her a close friend. I don't know what she considers me, uh, but we even spent some time in the woods together uh, up at a cabin enjoying <laughs> nature, and uh, I found out what she's really like. And uh, anyway, she is a preschool teacher. She is a mother and an amazing wife and also was a clinical trial participant uh, during the very early stages of the trials that were going on for the COVID vaccines and uh, was injured during that participation uh, in that trial. 
Now, if you'd like to hear their whole stories, um, I'll link in this episode uh, their interviews that they did with me on my other podcast, Vitality Radio, uh, so that you can listen to those there. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll even repost those over here on uh, the Dearly Discarded podcast so you can hear their whole story. But let's go ahead and jump into the topic at hand, which is, you know, why there's a Dearly Discarded podcast, why there's a React 19. What is it that the two of you were thinking when you decided to start this organization after your injuries? Do you want to start, Bri? Um Sure. So I don't know if either of us were really thinking specifically about a plan. We just knew that the efforts that we had made up until this point um, had not resulted in anything. We were pounding down the doors of the NIH and the FDA and the CDC, uh, and we weren't getting anywhere. Policies were not changing. Um, the only focus on the from the federal level was mandates, and there was zero regard for adverse events. Um, and so we knew that we needed to kick it up a notch. The only way that we were going to be able to enact the change that needed to happen was to start a proper, you know, 501c3 nonprofit. Um, so it's been pretty unique to see how many people have come together. Um, it's been tragic to see how many people have been harmed by the COVID vaccines, but it's been probably one of the, the greatest privileges of my life to be able to see this many people who are physically suffering every single day themselves um, come together with a central goal uh, to enact change and to make sure that this never happens again. What I would say, Jared, is for me, I mean, 2021 uh, was, you know, was a very challenging year. What I would say is that I, I truly felt, you know, it w which is a lot of vaccine injured people will say is I felt abandoned, you know, and, and for me, that was really the one word that would describe 2021 until I got to D.C. And that's when we were at that center around Johnson press conference in November and for me, I left there kind of with, with a clear vision or a passion of, of what I think I, I had to get involved and had to do something bigger to help people. You know, Bray and I are clearly not doing this for ourselves. Uh, you know, I have other things I, I'd rather do. However, you know, these people need help. And, you know, that's why really we realized that this vaccine injured community is abandoned physically you know, financially and emotionally. And that's really why our main missions that we set up after we established the organization as a 501c3 nonprofit in November of 2021. And our main pillars of our mission are to support the vaccine, COVID vaccine injured financially, physically, and emotionally. And that's what we've done. Uh, we're not about just telling our sad stories. Um, you know, I, I don't, like to speak publicly, frankly, I'm fairly a private person, but, you know, I, I think that, they, you know, we started this where all our, our entire board of directors is all volunteer. Uh, we're doing this not to pontificate to, we're not doing this to really self-promote in any way. We are clearly just doing this to try to really help these people that are, that have been screwed. Um, they, they truly have been screwed and, um, you know, we occasionally tell our sad stories. I, I prefer not to myself, but again, we're about taking action. And that's why we sometimes say we're about taking our negative reactions and turn it into positive actions. And that's why we're really working hard to give the injured hope and support. That's why we have a lot of programs that are focused around giving them financial, physical, and emotional support. But, you know, we want to... Um, we want to do things, you know, we want to do more things. And, and that's why we'll talk a little bit, hopefully today, about other things we're doing, seeking compensation reform. Uh, and we're trying to open up the first ever clinic to focus on COVID vaccine injury and other complex chronic illnesses. The first ever clinic that I know of like that uh, here in the United States, hopefully still this year. Well, and I, I have to say that the the situation you find yourself in is so incredibly unique um, from an outsider's perspective. Someone who you know hasn't dealt with a vaccine injury, uh, has never run a 5013C, uh, but has seen what other charities um, that are 
focused around a, a disease or an ailment, whether it be something like ALS or cancer or Parkinson's or diabetes or, you know, name the thing that there's, there's always a, a, a group or groups that are out fundraising and looking to support these people. And yet, as you both know uh, better than I do, they don't run into a whole lot of grief uh, for trying to find support for those people or a whole lot of dismissal. In fact, it's quite easy for people who are uh, running uh, uh, you know, a cancer fundraiser to get all kinds of people to sign up and say, yeah, let's do it. But when you're talking about COVID-19 vaccine reactions, uh, it's something that's not even acknowledged by the vast majority of people. And thankfully, I think that tide is turning uh, to a large degree. I certainly see more and more of it being talked about and currently anyway, less of it being censored. But uh, the uphill battle that you folks have been on, especially considering you're doing it while injured yourselves, is uh, it's just an incredibly inspiring thing to me. I kind of am a fanboy, so it's really fun uh, to do this interview <laughs> because I admire you both so much and am so honored that you asked me to be the voice of this podcast uh, to try and get some of these messages out. I think it's time that people hear your voices uh, as to you know what's happening with React 19. So. Thank you so much for what you're doing. I appreciate it so much because while I didn't know a single person injured by the vaccine until I met one Bree Dressen, I now know hundreds of you and my heart has been filled with uh, so much love and compassion for those people who have dealt with this. As I've found some of the most amazing people I've ever met uh, among the injured. So. For them, and on behalf of, of them, I'd like to thank you both for what you're doing. Well, thank you. And, and thank you for acknowledging, too. I mean, we're, you know, we are a non-political organization. You know, I mean, Bree is a, I hope you don't mind me telling, but is a lifelong Democrat, and I'm a lifelong conservative Republican. But in what we do, it completely doesn't matter. Uh, we are really a completely non-political organization. However, we appreciate we're in a highly polarized environment. I always say we kind of have to run the gauntlet to some degree. The right attacks us for being stupid and getting the shot. The left attacks us because we're, quote, anti-vaxxers, which is, could, it couldn't be farther from the truth considering we all tried to get, the, you know, we all got the shot. So it is a very tough space and um, it's sad. It's sad because it shouldn't be this polarized. We're not trying to, our organization isn't about trying to make huge judgments on the overall pandemic and, and the response to the pandemic. We are simply an advocacy organization that is trying to give hope and support to those that for whatever reason chose to get their shots. But it, it is tough as, as you acknowledge and, and it's very tough in fundraising. And that's why any listener to this show, I mean, I please, I'd encourage you to, to donate. We get no corporate sponsorship. We are all volunteer. We fight for every dollar. And, you know, without funds, we can't run our programs. So I just, you know, if, if anyone's listening, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you already our text to give number that's willing to donate. You know, if they text the word REACT, R-E-A-C-T, to 50155. So REACT to 50155, they'll get a reply text and they can do an online pledge. So thank you for, you know, acknowledging the tough space that we're in, uh, but it is changing. And I, I think, Bree, you'll, you'll admit in the last six to 12 months, who doesn't know someone that was injured? Uh, you know, and, and people are starting to kind of put down those walls and, and, and just starting to provide, you know, just having empathy for fellow human beings, regardless of their political affiliation. So thank you. Absolutely. Bree, do you want to add to that at all before we move on? Oh, I think, I think he covered it great. You know, it's, it's, it's been probably, and I'm sure Joel may agree. Well, actually, I don't know, but this is obviously my injury anniversary is coming up in about six weeks. Hmm. Um, and so it's going to be three years. And I will say without question, this has been the most challenging three years of my life. Um, and it's not actually because of the injury. It's because of what's um, come and gone since my injury. Um, it's because of everything that we've learned. 
It's because of just how much inhumanity we've seen and how hard and how much effort we put into restoring humanity and hope where we're by you know the normal standard there should be plenty of compassion and empathy for these people um but just like joel said i mean yeah it feels like we we are moving the needle um uh, public opinion is shifting people are starting to ask questions they're starting to look to uh the people that are responsible for the failures of the pandemic um instead of pointing the fingers back at a bunch of vaccine injured people or people that did not get the vaccine um and for that you know i think that we've we've done a lot but that being said we've got a lot to do um jill says it all the time that our goal is to not exist in five years uh, because if we don't exist in five years that means that the programs on the federal level have been repaired there's clinics that are working on this and there's research going on and the injured will be taken care of that's the ultimate goal is for us to be able to succeed so that the injured will be able to get support so then joel and i and the others on the board that are injured we can finally return to our normal lives and focus on our own healing so but we can't do that alone we need supporters and we need people that see this and understand what's going on beyond just other injured injured individuals um it's going to take a lot of people to move in unison uh, to enact the the change that needs to happen. Yeah, indeed, it's a it's a team effort for sure, and and you guys as team leaders have have made a huge difference. But there's a lot of work to do, and we're going to talk about some of that uh, on this episode. Uh, for what it's worth, I thought you guys might find this interesting. Um, I I was playing a new game with my uh, fiance, and and uh, she and I. It was this kind of you know, couples get to know you better game, get into your head and make sure that you're not, uh, you know, going to hate each other once you're married, that kind of thing. So uh, we're playing this game and this card comes up and it says, you've just been given $100,000 to donate to the charity of your choice. Who would it be? And would your spouse agree? Okay. And I, and I looked at her and I read it to her and she looked at me and we both said, react 19. This is an organization that I can tell you as someone who is, I'm, I guess I'm affiliated. I do the podcast, but I'm not uh, officially anything in any capacity in React 19. I'm not injured myself. I, uh, you, you know, I, I basically I do what I can to help. But I can tell you that I've seen the inner workings of this group. And if you're listening to us right now and you're wondering if this is one of those charities that you can actually trust to do something valuable with your money, I will tell you that if I had that $100,000, I would trust them to do something valuable with it. It is an amazing organization run by amazing people for amazing people that, frankly, have a really hard time getting help anywhere else. So it's something that uh, you should very much uh, consider as you're, as you're listening today. Okay, let's move on to some of the, uh, the goals that uh, or, or the I guess the current uh, focuses uh, that you're using uh, are looking at as a, as an organization, there is a trip planned as far. Well, actually let's start here. Uh, October, uh, which will be, we're recording this late September. This will air in October uh, is uh, vaccine injury awareness month. Tell us just a little bit about that and what the Genesis was and, and what that's about. Bree, I'll let you take this one. So, the vaccine injury awareness month it just kind of started on a global scale um this will be our third year doing it <laughs> and we we kind of you know um it just happened right everybody just started blowing up social media two octobers ago two years ago with stories of their injuries and then we said all right this is vaccine injury awareness month right and then last year, what we were able to do was do a global purple out. And so what that means is that on social media, whether you're a supporter of the vaccine injured or you believe in the vaccine injured or you're injured yourself, you just put a big old purple dot on your uh, profile photo. And it's been kind of useful because last year it was a sea of purple. You know, everywhere you looked last year, if you were in the space, you saw purple. Um, so our aim is to do that again this year. 
Uh, we've been talking to our global coalition, which is a group of just under two dozen um, advocacy organizations like ours across the globe, and uh, we're ready to go. So as of October 1st, across the globe, we're all going to be purpling out our, our social media accounts um, to hopefully raise awareness for this issue in general. Um, and so we invite everybody to hop on and join us. It's kind of fun because then you kind of get to see in a very subtle way who is, you know, awake and who is not um, just by the fact that they will put up a, a purple circle on their profile photos. Yeah, it's a cool thing. I did it last year for the first time and uh, and I found a lot of other purple people, so to speak, <laughs> that I had not met before, that I've gotten to know a little bit, at least as much as you can on social media uh, over the last year. In fact, it's kind of shocking to me. You mentioned that it was October and I couldn't believe it had been a year already uh, since uh, we did that, but we were able to find a lot of really cool uh, friends on uh, Facebook and, uh, and, and really, I think, move you know, push the needle forward, like you said uh, earlier, in terms of the awareness. And it's uh, something everybody can do. It takes about 10 seconds. It's free and it's very, very useful. So I highly recommend uh, joining us with the Purple Out uh, in October of 2023 and, and every October afterwards uh, until we get the job done. Uh, so there's a trip planned in October uh, to Washington, D.C., the 16th through the 18th to meet with the HHS, as I understand it. Tell us a little bit about what that's, uh, what's gonna happen there. Well, first of all, for all the injured people that are listening to this, they know that, uh, they all know that our, the compensation program that's for the injured is horrible. So the CICP, which is the countermeasures injury compensation program is, is is a program that's set up for emergency use authorization drugs or interventions like the COVID-19 vaccines. So the COVID-19 vaccines, because they were under an emergency authorization, they don't fall under the vaccine injury compensation program or the VICP. The problem with the CICP is number one, to date Jared, as of August 1st, only four claims have been paid to injured Americans from the COVID-19 shots. Only four claims out of thousands of applications that they're sitting on. And the total of those four claims is about $8,500. So the current compensation program for those Americans that are injured by the COVID shots is, is really dismal. And, and, you know, we've met in D.C. with numerous politicians before, both Republican, Independent and Democrat, and they all say that the program, you know, is, is failed, is horrible. But the problem is making a change and in, in getting a modernization of the compensation program. So there are two bills in the House right now. It's House Bill uh, 5142 and House Bill 5143. And those bills are about basically modernizing the compensation program and really making it work, at least work better for all of those Americans that, are, that were injured and are injured by the COVID shots. So part of our trip is really to focus on, uh, we're gonna hold a briefing uh, to members of the house about the compensation bills in the house and, and hopefully a briefing and a discussion we're having several other politician meetings, uh, including several key uh, senators, because obviously, you know, to get a bill into law, we're going to need a companion bill in the Senate, which ha is not has not existed as of this point. So we need a companion bill in the Senate. Uh, and then we're going to meet with several uh, people from the HHS, which is Health and Human Services. And, and really, they're uh, over the vaccines, and they also hold a fair amount of control into funding of research. And really, as you probably know, Jared, there's a fair amount of research dollars that goes into long COVID, but unfortunately very little, if any, that goes into the study of adverse events after the shots. Again, partly because of, as we talked about, the polarizing nature uh, of vaccine injury. So uh, that's really, 
and Brian, please add more uh, what you think about the rest of our trip. But I mean, it's really to um, promote trying to get this House bill through, get a companion bill in the Senate, trying to seek funding for research. Because if we don't do research, how are we going to get out of this for these people? I mean, right now we have these these ill-defined syndromes, right? We know that the average person that's injured by the COVID shots has 20 symptoms and they fall into these loose syndromes, but we really need better, better definition of what's going on with a lot of us. We need better diagnostics and better treatments. And without, you know, research funding uh, and, and really federal dollar research funding, uh, we're going to have a hard time really making progress and really defining these syndromes and then developing appropriate, more specific diagnostics and treatments. Brianne, so, I don't mean to blurb off too much. Oh, I think you did great. So to kind of, you know, um, wrap this section up. So the importance of the compensation program being fixed is because if you are injured by any vaccine in the United States, you cannot sue, period. So your rights, your constitutional rights to due process have already been stripped if you are harmed by a vaccine. That is unprecedented in the United States. Um, our Bill of Rights are totally intact with any other product, uh, pills, automobiles. You can be hurt in any other way in the United States of America, and you can sue somebody. Unless you're injured by a COVID vaccine or a vaccine in general, you're done. Um, because of that, in 1986, they made this little program, this is the CICP and the VICP programs, and they're failing miserably. They were broken before COVID vaccines came along and they will continue to fail Americans that did the right thing according to the government and did as they were told and then they got picked off and then were abandoned. So a couple of important things to mention about why the general public can feel um, you know, supportive of these bills is one, HR 5143, increases the tax on the pharmaceutical companies, okay? So it's not increasing the cost of the American citizens. Right now, the current fund that is failing Americans, but the current fund that the COVID vaccine injury claims are under is taxpayer funded. So the goals of these bills is to move taxpayer funded program over to the pharmaceutical company funded program, the VICP. Increase the tax on the pharmaceutical companies to accommodate the huge influx of vaccine injury claims that are going to need to be paid out. There also is a demand for increased transparency because as we all know, the government um, is less and less transparent by the day. They know more about us than we know about them. And so this bill actually brings a little bit of a check and balances for transparency as far as the vaccine injury program, compensation program works. Um, it also is going to increase the payout to the vaccine injured, which hasn't increased since 1986. And even if you look at the cost of housing from 86 to now, that should tell you right there, common sense says the payout should be adjusted. Um, and, oh, and you're allowed to have legal representation, which currently you are not allowed to have re legal representation. So the bills are as far as I'm concerned, they're not just a nice to have, they are essential for this program to succeed. Um, obviously, the grand goal beyond that is to figure out how to address pharmaceutical liability. The fact that this program even exists, I think is ridiculous, especially because of how successful the vaccine program is in the United States. The United States doesn't need to be protecting the pharmaceutical companies. We should never be in that role. But even if pharmaceutical liability is restored, that does nothing for those who are already harmed. So if we're going to do our due diligence and we're going to help those people that are harmed currently, we've got to do our due diligence and make sure that these people get taken care of. So number one, the compensation bills, you know, that's the number one reason why we're going. Um, and as of to date, this is the most comprehensive legislation that we have seen be introduced to uh, the House or the Senate, uh, which is why we're endorsing these these bills. But then on the back end is we're, we're going to continue with steps three, steps four, step five, which is to push these other pieces of legislation that also need to be to to come down through the pike. 
And then with the data collection, everybody has seen this with, um, there are no diagnosis codes. So there, according to the US government medical records and the CMS, there are no records of COVID vaccine injury because there is no COVID vaccine injury diagnosis code. There are diagnosis codes for long COVID. There's diagnosis, diagnosis codes for uh, if you have a COVID infection and you're unvaccinated, if you have a COVID infection and you're partially vaccinated, um, there is no diagnosis code for COVID infection fully vaccinated. And there is no diagnosis code I just to, for COVID vaccine injury. Joel. I just have to add, and, and it's almost comical, Jared, there, there's a code, medical code for vaccine hesitancy, <laughs> but there's no code for COVID-19 vaccine injury. And, and, wow. and, and that's important. So as a physician, when I would see people in the clinic, remember, there's two things you have to do at the end of the visit. Number one, in the computer, usually, if you use an electronic medical record, you put in a diagnosis code, and then you put in a level of service, which is basically how much you're going to charge, okay? But that diagnosis code is very important, right? Because when we want to study those, when we want to, say, go back into a medical record and say, okay, how many people had X diagnosis? Well, what do you search? Okay, so what you do is you use non-specific codes or kind of garbage codes, which is like you'll just say, say somebody had Guillain-Barre after a COVID shot. Um, you'll just, and there is no such diagnosis. What you'll do is just put in numbness. And then that code and that person in that database becomes really becomes almost unsearchable. Mm -hmm. In, in making the, you know, almost nearly impossible to do any research through that medical record because the next provider might put Guillain-Barre, the next person might put, uh, you know, unspecified, you know, just limb pain. And, and really that's why codes are very important because they really put an objective diagnose, diagnosis there and make it searchable. Again, this ICD-10 code uh, issue you know, we submitted a request signed by numerous physicians across the country. Uh, this was, geez, almost a I year think, ago, a year or two yeah. ago. Yeah, a year ago. And really, because they update the codes uh, twice a year and we got zero response from the CDC. And that's where the request had to go. Uh, so we did what we were supposed to do, ask these codes to be added. The codes actually do exist in your and are used in Europe. Mm. Uh, that are COVID-19 vaccine injury specific codes. But again, it makes you wonder why uh, they don't use them here. I mean, if you don't want to know, if you, if you close your eyes and you cover your ears, uh, you're not going to see and you're not going to hear. So then you start wondering, hmm, what's, what's everyone's intention? Yeah. So um, that's why the codes are important. Well, and that's it's really, it's a classic example of politicization, politicization of the medical system. If we were actually objectively structuring the data collection, whether the information was going to be convenient or not, there would be vaccine injury di diagnosis codes in there. And there would also be, you know, uh, some other, oh, fully vaccinated, hospitalized with COVID, you know, it shouldn't be this hard, but they're making it so hard for us to identify where vaccine injuries are happening, what they look like, if they're happening at all, um, and what we can do about them. So our whole mission for going to DC is to just drill that home, to make sure that they understand we do exist and we are not going away and we are fighting for the integrity of science in while we're doing this process, but it's, it's a mission worth fighting for um, and we'll, we'll do it to the end, so. Yeah, I, you know, I talk enough with you, Bree, to keep uh, somewhat abreast on all this stuff, but I didn't even think about the codes. That had never even occurred to me. But it makes sense because there's been an overall refusal uh, of this government uh, here in America, CDC, HHS, whoever you want to point the finger at, to acknowledge these injuries at all, really. Uh, and so if they don't want to acknowledge them, adding a code clearly would mean that they are finally acknowledged. And it is a critical component to that. So I think that's an, an unbelievable thing to even consider, especially when you mention that there's one for vaccine hesitancy. That is insane. And that's new. But it's no. Oh, so they threw that one in instead of yours. No Maybe they just Jerry. got confused. They did. They <laughs> added that after our request went in. 
Oh my gosh. So that's where, yeah, that's where their priorities have been through that pandemic. And that's obviously where they're trying to keep their priorities. Wow. Go ahead, Joel. And I was going to say, Jared, it's no different than VAERS too. I mean, as a lot of your listeners know, VAERS, which is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. There, you know, I think everyone with common sense knows there's massive underreporting to VAERS. Uh, providers don't even know that it's mandated for them to report even suspected injuries. Okay, there's no communication of that that right. mandate to providers or healthcare organizations. Um, there's no penalty if they don't report, and most important, there's no follow up. So it's a crappy system. It's you know based off you know passive surveillance. To, you know it's it, you, uh, and then and then without follow up. Um, it, it becomes a near meaningless database. And, and that's why, uh, you, know, you know, if you look at vSafe, and, and I just want to use this as an example. So vSafe was a surveillance system for adverse events uh, or was done for people uh, via app on 10 million people that had the COVID-19 mm -hmm. uh, shots. Well, 7.8% or about 780,000 of those people had to seek medical care after their shots. Now, I want to be careful in saying, and I've looked at this, it was within a year after. So what does that mean? To me, it raises a, a flag, maybe a yellow flag, but it, 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 it really demands more questions, right? And so what follow-up was done on those 780,000 people? Nothing. So why ask the question? Well, because I think a lot of people don't want to know the answers. I mean, that's, for me, it's science. I mean, again, just if you ask a question and, and you raise even a yellow flag, go look at it. You know, like for my example, I had a transverse myelitis. I mean, did anyone ever call me and say, how you doing? No. Uh, so I think there's just a lot of, uh, of just covering your eyes, you know, closing your eyes and covering your ears and not wanting to know what's going on. And that's not science. Well, there's a reason why this podcast is called the Dearly Discarded Podcast, right? Because these cases are so easily discarded uh, by the powers that be, by medical professionals, by so many citizens of this country even. And um, it, it is interesting to me, uh, and, and I guess hopeful is probably the right word, that at least as a citizenry, you know, if you take the politicians out of the equation, there are millions and millions and millions of people, I think over the last, you know, six to 12 months, like you said, Joel, that have recognized that this is a thing and that it's not probably a small thing because there are very few people probably that don't at least know somebody uh, or at least know somebody who knows somebody, you know, who's been injured by one of these things in a fairly significant way. And we know that there are thousands of people, millions maybe, that are injured and don't even realize they're injured, uh, at least ha what injured them, right? Because of the dismissal of this. I was just talking to a member of React 19 who discovered your group in June of this year. And for two years, she went undiagnosed until she finally uh, located you guys through a friend of a friend who said, hey, go look at React 19. And she finally got a diagnosis from someone. She had asked if the vaccine might have anything to do with it for two years. And everybody said, well, pro you know, maybe not, maybe, probably not. You know, a lot of hemming and hawing, but no, nobody really willing to take that journey to try and figure out if that's what was going on until she finally received a diagnosis from someone who had seen this before and was willing to look at that as a legitimate possibility. So there must be so many others just like her out there uh, that are still wandering around in the dark wondering what the heck's wrong with them. All right, so this Washington trip is huge. And let's go back to this. I, I, I don't necessarily want this podcast to sound like a fundraiser, but every podcast that I'm on could be for React 19. I'd love for you to, <laughs> to uh, find it in your hearts to donate. I will say that uh, the... Uh, the text thing makes it really easy. Uh, that's how I did it initially. And uh, it, it, it's the easiest thing ever. We will have that uh, information in the show description, uh, along with the website and other uh, information that you need on the topics that we're discussing. But 
this is why it is trips like this, because these are funded by uh, donations to React 19. I, uh, I think it's safe for me to say that sometimes uh, they're also partially funded by the members of React 19 uh, to get and do these things because it is that important. And uh, getting a few people back to Washington, D.C. to have face to face with these politicians that can actually enact some of these changes is a major, major uh, step in the right direction. And, uh, hey, listen, those bills uh, that you just told us about, that's exciting. There's, there's nothing that I'm aware of like that's been any, anywhere close to this uh, going through Congress uh, to help those in the situation that you're in. And hopefully, you know, hopefully they pass, you know, it's the, the, the reason why we bring people out to Washington, D.C. Um, last year, we had a meeting with Peter Marks, the FDA, he's the head of biologics. This year, we have a couple of important meetings with HHS. Um, so in addition to, you know, increasing awareness, um, getting injured connected with their elected representatives. Um, one of the most favorite parts about this for me is to be able to put people like um, Andre Cherry, uh, Nikki Holland, um, Maddie DeGarry and her mom, put them in front of the people face to face with the people that did this to them, right? The people that were responsible with evaluating and ensuring safety of products, right? And, and proper follow-up if they were harmed. And look at them face to face and give them the opportunity to have their peace, right? Um, these are people that their lives will never go back to normal. You know, Nikki Holland was a healthy uh, athlete, physical therapist, uh, really full of life, single mom, three young, beautiful daughters, all playing softball. Um, she was a super mom. Um, and now she's confined to a wheelchair. She has a permanent breathing tube. She has a feeding tube in her stomach. Um, She's got, you know, she's been life flighted four times. Her life is never going to go back to normal. And the government has abandoned her. And I think that she deserves to be able to look at her elected representatives in the face. She gets to talk to HHS and tell them, you know, this happened to me. And what are you going to do about it? Um, it's empowering for the injured to be able to get involved at this level. But it's been really hard because we are a total nonprofit, um, the injured by and large, they finance their trips there. Um, every once in a while, we're able to get some grants in to help, you know, cover the cost of a hotel here and there. Um, I wish it could be more. I wish they could be fully sponsored uh, travel, but that doesn't happen. But in contrast, just so people understand what we do do with the donations. So uh, the U.S. government, as Joel just talked about, the U.S. government has paid less than $9,000 in total in medical expenses, out-of-pocket medical expenses to COVID vaccine injured. REACT-19 to date has paid nearly $650,000 to just under 100 um, applicants for medical grants that go to their out-of-pocket medical expenses for COVID vaccine injuries. So if we, just a couple of people or you know, a small group of injured people can do a better job at taking care of COVID vaccine injured Americans than the US government can, then maybe the US government can learn a thing or two from us. Indeed. And and that's and I'm glad that you clarified that too, Bree, because I, I know that uh, you, you do what you can as an organization to help make these trips happen and fund these trips. But I, and I also know that the, the truth is that I think people really need to recognize here is that for the majority, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But based on what I've heard interviewing all the people that I've interviewed and talking one-on-one -on -one with so many others that haven't been on this show, that this, the injury and the treatment for the injury and the, all the various symptoms that people are dealing with, the loss of work uh, and all of that kind of coming together uh, has been, had this real snowball effect on most of the people that simply didn't have it in the tank financially to handle all of that uh, because much of what they have to do especially the things that there many of you are finding great success with are not covered by insurance 
and what is covered by insurance is covered up to a certain extent, depending on the level of insurance. Some people haven't had insurance. Some people have lost their jobs that carried their insurance. There's all these different things. So to finance a trip to Washington, D.C. for an injured person, it's not easy for anybody uh, maybe to just get out there. Flying to D.C. isn't cheap. Staying in D.C. isn't cheap. Eating in D.C., especially when you have all the dietary restrictions and everything that come with vaccine injury for most people, uh, is not an easy thing. And yet there are warriors who are simply unwilling to give up this fight and uh, willing to uh, do what it takes to get back there and talk to the powers that be to see if we can make some change. And it's it's beautiful to see. I've, I was fortunate enough to travel to Los Angeles for Defeat the Mandates rally with the members of React 19. That was when I got to know pretty much all of them other than Bree, who I already uh, had met. And my gosh, you want to talk about some amazing people. I don't know what kind of energy they had prior to injury, <laughs> but what they showed me with their injuries was absolutely phenomenal. It's an amazing group of people doing some amazing work. So once again, thank you both. And 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 as an extension, all the others who are in the fight with you. Uh, is there anything else to discuss about, uh, you know, I guess a non-political organization having to engage in politics, right, to try and get some of this going? Anything else that you want to talk about on that front before we move on to the clinic? Well, there's, there's. Uh, no, I think we covered. Yeah, I think we did. Um, Sorry, if you're yeah. a medical provider, and this is the first you've heard of us, uh, we would welcome you uh, getting involved, even if it's enlisting and enrolling in our provider directory. Um, at React, we have collected a, a list of providers across the country that will not gaslight their patients, um, and they will recognize vaccine-injured patients when they come through the door. Um, but we still need to grow that, you know, that directory. We still are always on the lookout for helpful, compassionate providers that can, that can provide, you know, competent health care uh, to people that need it. So uh, you can go to react19.org and uh, click on get involved and fill out the form and, and we'll get you uh, uploaded with a phenomenal group of, of other providers. Excellent. I, yeah, I love that too. I know you need as many as you can get. Okay, so speaking of providers, uh, there is a new clinic that's being worked on. It sounds like you're trying to get it open this year. Tell us about that. Well, I would tell you that um, I don't really know how this whole project really started, but what I'll tell you is um, you know, I'm a physician, and, and I can tell you, uh, as a physician, I'm pretty embarrassed about the health care uh, that the uh, COVID-19 vaccine injured receive. It's, it's pretty horrible. Um, uh, you know, 95 plus percent of us are gaslit. We go to see providers that roll their eyes at us. We go to providers that have no idea of, of the syndromes that we're experiencing have no idea of available diagnostics and treatments. Now, there are some really good, what I'm gonna tell you is independent physicians out there that are still scientists, that are still empathetic and listening, but they're few and far between. Um, particularly the employed physicians, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit on healthcare organizations. You know, this country, you know, when I start, first started practice, about 70% of orthopedists were independent and 20 years later, uh, that's pretty much flipped. About 70% are employed by uh, healthcare organizations, and they're dictated what they say, what they do. Uh, and um, really, I, I do believe that uh, the, the transition in our in our country in the last several decades to employed physicians has really, really degraded healthcare. We no longer have independent-minded scientists that look at data, you know, providers. And um, we're very excited, though, to uh, launch, we hope, uh, this year still, um, the first ever medical clinic here in the United States that will be joint venture between vaccine injured and, and, and hopefully some people with long COVID and, and 
other complex chronic illnesses and providers. Um, we're, there's a group of physicians that we respect very much that we are uh, going to work and they're going to be the medical providers in this clinic. This clinic will probably be down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, I'm excited about it. Again, it's we, we certainly want to focus on vaccine injury, but we want to be open and treat everyone, including long COVID and other complex chronic illnesses. Uh, it's, it's a unique opportunity to be able to really be part of the solutions. I mean, right now, if you ask uh, vaccine injured, COVID vaccine injured people, I mean, what things are you trying? There's hundreds of things that they're trying. What does that really tell you though, Jared? It means no one really knows the right answer. So we wanna be part of the solution to define these syndromes, do research at the clinic, better define you know, diagnostics and treatments. And really, while we understand that <clears throat> the standard of care for us may be you know, moving the goalpost as we learn more, we, the vaccine injured, wanna be part of that solution. And this, this clinic, you know, let alone, I mean, the idea that we're gonna be able to help, I hope, thousands of people, what a symbolic gesture to the entire world. I mean, that our care has been so, I won't say um, the S word, but crappy. Our care has been so crappy that we basically had to do it ourselves. And so I think the symbolism will be very, very powerful. Now, whether or not that'll be picked up by the media, who knows, probably not. But I still think in my mind, it's very symbolic. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the fact that that's even an option that has to be considered is ridiculous, right? I mean, this should already be in place. There should already be um, clinics like this that can help those of you who've been uh, put in this situation. And yet we're, you know, three years, like you said, Bree, you're almost at your three-year anniversary, which makes you, of course, one of the very first uh, pioneer vaccine injured, right? Because you were part of the clinical trial. Um, but for most people, it's been two years, two plus years. And still looking for answers uh, and somebody that can help out. I, when you told me about this clinic uh, a couple of months ago, I was uh, just elated that there was even the possibility that something like this could exist. Um, it is sad that it has to come about by the injured actually putting the thing together, but that's how you folks are. You just keep fighting and keep doing it. And uh, I think this is amazing. Uh, what, for people who listening who are going to be interested in the clinic, uh, is there more information available than what we've talked about here? How will they be able to find out about it when it's open and how to uh, apply for help and all that sort of thing? Well, a couple of things I want to say is this clinic isn't intended to be a one-off either. If we can get this model down, I want to continue and Brienne and I both want to continue to roll this uh, nationally you know, and have regional clinics all over the country. Uh, you know, the Southeast, you know, whether it be, you know, South Carolina or Florida, in, in my opinion, would be logically the next location. Uh, but, you know, I really want to, if we can get this model down and it works and we can continue to have uh, generous donors, um, I want to continue to to roll these clinics and continue to, you know, help more people. That's one thing I wanted to say. Um Brand, do you want to say the name or, or it's up to you? Yeah, let's let's share the name, shall we? Do you want to do the honors? Here's the announcement. No, you can do okay, it. Okay, so the, the clinic is going to be called the Revive Clinic, and it's a center for complex care. Um, so the Revive Clinic, obviously, um, we're essentially, you know, going to be restoring hope where hope has been lost. Uh, we're going to build an environment where a patient can finally be seen, heard, and believed. And, um, and really, we're bringing in the best of the best uh, when it comes to COVID, post-COVID disease, uh, Lyme disease, vaccine injury. Um, so it's going to be a center of excellence. But, but the main goal is, is to provide a a medical model that really will restore the healthcare industry, what it, what it was, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, um, and remove corporate healthcare, remove, um, you know, the top down model where the top tells everybody else what to do, get this back to how we're actually going to figure out how to help people, which is from the ground up. 
That's really, really exciting. I love that. Um, so wh- how can people get more information on this? Is it going to be rolled out on the React 19 website or? We will roll it out. Yeah, we'll do an announcement through React 19. Mm-hmm. Um, the clinicians involved will be, you know, doing announcements when, when we get their schedules uh further along in place. Uh, we're working on getting the website up and running right now, um, which should be ready in a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, so it, it's going to be moving. But as of right now, it's looking like end of the year is when this will be opening, okay. maybe the first part of January. Um, but yeah, we're we're really excited. And it's, it's one of those things I'm sure Joel feels the same. Um, with all of the efforts that we put in, there's some programs that succeed and some that don't. But by and large, it's been really frustrating to see uh, just how little impact we can have in different arenas. And this clinic finally feels like something where we can make a a real substantial uh, difference for the long term. Yeah, with all of the stories that I've heard and seen and all of the people who uh, I've found or found me through the um, – the purple awareness campaign last year. Um, I, I, you know, I, I personally know, you know, probably 40 or 50 vaccine injured people that, you know, we know each other by name we've met or, or conversed. You guys know, obviously hundreds. Uh, and, but I've got maybe a hundred or more on my Facebook, probably a couple hundred now. Uh, and I see their stories. And one of the most universal stories is, I just can't find practitioners that can really help me. I mean, we hear that all the time, right? And and you mentioned the gaslighting and all the other stuff, which is all of that stinks. But in the end, I think all of them would take all the gaslighting they need if they can eventually find someone that can actually help. And right now, just finding someone to help um, is the challenge. So this clinic, to me, sounds incredible and monumental and, uh, and uh, an incredible step in the right direction. It's very, very exciting. I think these updates that you've given us, the trip to D.C., the bills that are uh, going uh, through the house, uh, the clinic, this is in the experience I've had with React 19, again, mostly from the outside looking in, but asking questions of how things are going all the time when Bree and I text back and forth. Um, it, it feels like there's some real momentum here and there's a lot of hope coming, and I'm super excited about that. Well, thanks. We appreciate you taking, you know, your personal time too and donating as much time and, you know, your own money. You've put your own money behind this too, Jared. So we couldn't do this without you. Um, And you also make it really fun to do it with you. (laughs) So, you know, that's always something that we need to, but of some final calls to action, if that's okay. Yeah, please. Um, Obviously, if anyone can donate, you can go to react19.org slash donate. You can text the word react to the number 50155, and that will send you a prompt to donate to our our uh, care fund specifically. So 100% of the donations to that number go into the medical fund. And there is no overhead there is uh, no, you know, even the, the service fees for that crowdfund service uh, for that number uh, comes out of an operations account. So if you want your money to go to a good cause, if you want to make sure that it goes into the hands of someone who needs it, that's an excellent way to do it. Um, text REACT to 50155. Um, and then if you want to get involved on the political level, uh, we need every single voting American to call their representatives. If you're looking for ideas and ways to do that, you can look up on our website, react19.org. And we have instructions on how to speak to your representative, how to look up your representative. There's also a petition that you can sign there. Um, so there's, there's plenty of resources there for that um, to take action as well. Awesome. And all of that stuff, if you're listening, driving down the road or whatever, all that stuff will be in the show description. uh, So you can link to those things from there. And uh, one last call from me, uh, just to say that this is an organization that can be trusted. This is a group of people that need your help. And frankly, uh, is a group of people that 
aren't able to find help in very many places. So uh, if you've got it within you, uh, donating your time, your money, uh, sharing this podcast is a big deal. Get more eyes open to what's going on out there. All of it helps. And uh, we certainly encourage you to come along for the ride to help these uh, vaccine injured people get the compensation that they need, the help that they need, the love and care that they need. I'm going to let, mention one more thing uh, before I let you both go, because I thought it was so cool. You you hooked me up with uh, one of the members of your organization, Tammy Herbert, uh, who I just interviewed, and uh, she is uh, partially in charge of a new little group uh, that uh, is being started within React 19 called the Prayer and Spiritual Encouragement Team uh, for the Vaccine Injured. And the only reason I wanted to mention this is because you touched on it earlier, Joel, but, you know, financial help obviously has its place, right? Um, medical help obviously has its place. But I think one of the places that uh, React 19, I know one of the places that React 19 has played such a pivotal role in helping the vaccine injured and their families is in the encouragement uh, side of things. The um, ability to recognize now for so many that I'm not alone in this. There are thousands just like me. Others are being gaslit. Others are having a hard time finding the support that they need, whether it's medical, financial, or otherwise. Others are frustrated with the political process of trying to get these changes made. And while all of that can be very, very frustrating, everybody likes to have somebody else that can relate to what they've got going on. And that relationship that they're able to build and the friends that they're able to find and the support that they're able to find through your organization is really, really powerful too. This new uh, group, which is brand new, uh, the, they've got a little Facebook page, uh, which is part of uh, React 19, again, all volunteers. My understanding is there's seven people uh, in charge of this. Um, I'll link in the show description the prayer and spiritual encouragement team. This is not exclusively for vaccine injured people. They're looking for people who want to be part of that support team as well. Um, I've already signed up. My sweetheart, Jen, has already signed up. We need more people and more encouragement. So that's something that you can do as well. And we'd love to have you on board with that. This organization, <laughs> you guys blow me away. Like the people that are completely healthy, that have lots of money and lots of resources aren't doing the kind of work that you guys are doing. It's, it's incredible to watch. You inspire me every single time that I have the opportunity to talk to one of you. And I appreciate so much what you're doing uh, for those who have been discarded. Absolutely. Thank you both. Yeah. Anything? Oh, go ahead. You know, I was just going to say for all, any of your listeners that are injured, I mean, I can tell you that confidently is, you know, we're not giving up. We're going to keep fighting. Um, and just so they know, I mean, never lose hope. Absolutely. There is always hope and there is always someone uh, that uh, understands. And within this organization, there are lots of people that understand. Uh, I would say don't hesitate to reach out and get the support that you need uh, because it is there. And uh, if you're aware of React 19 now and you've joined forces uh, with that family, um, you've got an incredible support system there for you and take advantage of it, please. Um, is there anything else that either of you'd like to add before we wrap up? Right. I'm good. Yeah, I think we covered all of it. All right. Thanks, Jared. Thank you, you beautiful people. I sure appreciate you. We'll get this out as soon as we can. And uh, we'll keep doing what we can to help support you uh, through this podcast. I appreciate the opportunity that I have to even do this podcast. Thank you so much. And for you listening, all of those links will be in the show description. There are 30 plus other episodes of amazing people telling their stories. Uh, I highly encourage you to seek those out. Listen to those messages. Uh, it will motivate you uh, to continue to push this cause forward and uh, share this podcast and any episodes that really touch you uh, with friends and family. Get them out on social media. Let's get as many eyes open to what's going on here as we possibly can. That's why we do this podcast. It's why React 19 exists. And I thank you for listening to us today on the Dearly Discarded Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. 
we encourage you to help break through the silence and share this episode with your friends and family. It's time for these stories to not only be told, but to be heard. For more information, head to react19.org and dearlydiscardedpod.com. The Dearly Discarded Podcast is produced by Jared St. Clair and Michaela Hyde with support from React 19. We'll be back next week with another true story from one who lives it. Until then, join us on Team Humanity. Keep an open mind, seek the truth, and share these stories. Most of all, open your mouth. Silence won't change anything. React 19 needs your support. We're a grassroots nonprofit created by the COVID vaccine injured for the COVID vaccine injured. React 19 provides physical support through scientific research and physician referrals, financial support to those most in need for uncovered medical expenses, and emotional support by growing a community that's focused on compassionate advocacy, hope, fellowship, and improving lives. We can only do these things with your support. Your donation is tax deductible and any amount is greatly appreciated. You can also sign up for automatic monthly donations. The vaccine injured have been marginalized, censored, and discarded, but they have not been broken. Help them rise to the challenge today. Visit react19.org for more information or simply text the word REACT to 50155 and donate via text. 